This episode of Myth Take is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, Erica Dilworth, Joelle Barfoot, Avon McMaster and Mark Sundram, and Stargate Pioneer. Thank you for your support. To learn how you can support the show, please visit patreon.com slash mythtake. Enjoy. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Welcome. Welcome to Myth Take. I am Allison. And I am Darren. And we are your hosts. And this episode, I'm really excited about this. This Fresh take on ancient myth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fresh take on ancient myth. Um, This episode is a little bit different Mm -hmm. from most of our episodes so far. Okay. um, Because we're not looking at an ancient passage like we usually do, but we're looking at a modern version of an ancient myth. Right. Something contemporary. So what are we looking at? Wonder Woman. Yes. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, boo on you. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, if you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we hope you get to see it soon. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and, and and even if you have not and you do hear this, I hope that that's still, that we pique your interest and it motivates you to go out and see it anyways and just see what you're missing, right? Yeah. So you've got directed by Patty Jenkins, starring Gal Gadot, starring Chris Pine, Wonder Woman. Yes. And a whole, whole bunch of other people. And Robin Wright is in it. And Robin Wright's in it, yes. I like Robin Wright. She's and we know her from? House of Cards. Oh, oh right. And yeah. I keep thinking Princess Bride. But ah, yeah. yes, okay. that too. Yeah, see, because I don't watch House of Cards. the only actress whose name I actually know and right. match with her face. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> hey, that's fine. It's all good. You know, I love House of Cards, but that's another another. That's episode. why I like Chris Pine so much, too, because he's Captain Kirk. Well, he's the new Captain ah. Kirk. Okay. See what you did not know, no. right? See, now it's another whole layer. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So did you like the movie? I thought it was great. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. give it two thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. I'd give it four thumbs up. Oh, okay. Well, I only have Mine two. Mine and yours. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I only have two. And and I, um, I also think it's important that we mention that we had seen it. Twice. Right, that we went and saw it again. Yes, just before recording this. Yes. And we saw it a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And the first time in regular mm-hmm. and the second time in 3D. 3D, We hadn't yeah. really planned it that way, but that's how it worked out. Yeah. I liked the 3D. I think it's kind of fun when you've got arrows and bullets and sure. grenades or whatever kind of shooting at you. Yeah. I, I flinched a few times. Okay. You know, because I was just absorbed in the story. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. You were taken away in the escape. Yeah. Yes. Escape and then business. it's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it adds another layer, literally, another yeah. dimension yeah. of experience, but... uh it's not really designed to be. It's, you can enjoy it perfectly in 3D. well yeah. without it. Right. I I found now I've only seen a, um, a two 3D movies oh, yeah. now, but I just find in in some scenes I just find 3D is like a little bit wonky. Like it doesn't quite work. There's yeah. just something visually off right. for me. But then in scenes where there's a lot of distance or yes. a lot of height, especially yes. height, because I do not like heights. So the scenes be, where there's a lot of heights in 3D that can be are really thrilling. cool. Yeah. Exactly yeah. because yeah. because you get a sense of that. The flip side too for me though is always makes me a little bit weary is that if they intentionally film or stage a movie for 3D it seems a bit contrived Mm. so those 3D episodes are always like 
you're like, oh wow, look, they're really trying to be 3D now, and then you you have you know most of the scenes nothing happening. So yeah, but I, this that one was was fine. It was there was 3D elements throughout. Yeah, throughout, right? So yeah. it added uh, another whole dimension to it. So I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how and did you like it? I, I. What was it about the first time that, and then this time that made it? I, I had a very different experience with it this time. Did you like it better the second time? I did. I liked it better the second time yeah. too. I really liked it the first time. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but there's something about revisiting it. Well, what, I think what are what are you thinking about? I think it's like a good book. Um, when you read a really good book, like the first time I read it through or or a really good TV series and I just binge watch my way through it because right. it's just, you're just wrapped up in the plot of right. it. Right, you're, you're following it. And then the it. second you're, time through. You already got that established. You've got, you know what the narrative yeah. is, you know what's coming and you pick up on all of the all of the nuances and little details like the, there was one part where there's an armadillo runs across the screen wasn't and that like, cool I'm like I don't remember the armadillo yeah I'm that was sure right at the beginning there. when she was a young but, girl but I just it, it yeah. made me laugh and so it's those little things and and to me that's a sign of a good of a good TV show or a good book or a good movie is something that when I watch it again I want to see it even yeah. another time because I know that there's more in there that I can yeah, the that, that I can pick up on yeah the hidden elements yeah, yeah. so that that's what that for worked me, that worked for you yeah yeah it, and and that, and that generally has been my experience as well and yeah I'm just thinking about that armadillo that was a strange beast out of out of time and space and it, like there's no no it's such a fairy tale landscape to start but, with I'm like I was just about to say something foolish I was just about to say there are no armadillos in ancient Greece. But there's no armadillos in Themyscira. There's no Themyscira in ancient Greece. The and there's no nothing. Armadillo is a very appropriate it animal. Is. It's it, because you know, it yes. has its own armor. Yes, it, and it's like Themyscira that yeah. lives in a bubble, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that's sheltered from the world, right? Yeah. So there, there, there's a few scenes like that have uh, powerful totemic animals. Like Diana rides a horse. She the, sees the goat, the cow. The cow. She sees the armadillo. I, I forgot about like, the cow. Yeah. This, um. So this is when she's she's a, in. In case you for our listener have forgotten about the cow. Yeah. This is when she's going to make the big running leap to the tower yeah. to get the sword right. and the shield and yeah. then sneak off with Steve in the night. Yeah, that's where they um, store all the cool and, stuff. And she's backing up to take her run. Yeah, she's and pacing it out. There's a cow. Did there. you even notice they highlighted like a goddess tree? It was like a palm that seemed to be I oddly illuminated it. by this by the moonlight. No, I that whole that. scene was rife with symbology. So what about the um the tree and the cow? Yeah, what, I don't what what was the symbolism of the cow? Well, for I don't you? really know. I looked I looked at it and I went, yeah, you know, like I kept thinking like yes, the little story said that the gods had been all of them had been killed by Ares, except for like Zeus had vanished and so on. But I couldn't help but thinking that they existed in some sort of spirit form, like in like a zoomorphic form, like Hera could have been that cow, or the goddess figure could have been the tree, or Selene, right, or yeah. whatever. Like their 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 elements are still operant in the world, especially in a place like Themyscira, right? That seems magical and otherworldly. Well, you mentioned Cellini, but you know yeah. the other name for the moon goddess. Uh, goddess of the moon in Rome is... Oh, the goddess of the moon in Rome. Diana. Oh, Di- right. Diana. Uh, and she Artemis, has, as I was about to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she, yes. that's, that's the Greek, and but that's in Rome, name. it's yeah. Diana. Yeah. And, of course, the weapon is a bone arrow. The so, bow. Yeah. so the moonlit scene... Yeah. Has extra poignancy when you sure. realize like oh, that and whole the that, leaping the chasm. Yeah, but that whole um, 
that whole nighttime scene from yeah. getting getting the weapons and taking you know and then taking off. That's, yeah. I I saw that as a, as a as a so, coming of age yeah, for a, her. Yeah, and that's a transition. Yeah. and then um, and then there's a, a second transition when she fights um, Ludendorff. Uh, Ludendorff. Yeah, um, and thinking that he is Ari's. Yes, but that's kind of her her test. And then right. after those two. Like, there's Those a number two of really scenes, yeah that's when she really becomes becomes into her full power. Yeah, yeah, it's about self-discovery, right? Mm-hmm. She's learning mm-hmm. of her own past, her own identity, what she is, right? Yeah. In the sort of the mirror of her mind kind of situation. And and through encountering these various obstacles and everything it's a self-realization again it's a heroic quest for self-discovery. Yeah. Like it's loaded with Campbellian tropes like let's, every single Let's go over some of them. I well you know okay. you even mentioned that the We've got the sword, the whole yeah. the, the the whole idea that there's a sword and there's a special person that that, that only that special person can yeah. wield that item. Yes, and then there's the sort of the illusion or the riddle or the Chinese box situation where the sword is called the God Killer, right? But we know, spoiler, <laughs> that in fact it is her. Yes, right. I it, didn't know that the first time I watched it. Right. I don't. I have read the comics, but I don't yeah. know them inside and out like you do. Well, I don't know them inside and so, out because okay. I'm. I don't collect Wonder Woman okay. comics, but I have read of the ethos. Yeah. Like I know the larger world, and and so. But anyways, that idea that she herself is sort of a stand-in for that sword, that weapon, mm-hmm. right? And. It's it's like the classic kind of don't judge a book by its cover kind of issues that the Greeks, that the ancient Greeks have been working through. You know, when you look at Pandora or you look at the sacrifice at Macone or all those types of things or the Trojan horse or whatever, right? That they're metaphors, they're substitutes that you've got to be careful because outward appearances are not <laughs> to be trusted in any real way, right? And that's a really good way of talking about the way, about Diana herself, right? Um, and I loved the child Diana. Oh, that she was child awesome. Actor. That little she, girl was awesome. She was so perfect yeah. for it. She looked yeah. right, and like, she had a she fierce. Looked, and she had yeah. that 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 fierceness yeah. and she had and a fierce that, quality um, to her. That that desire. Yeah, that drive. Did you, yeah. The other thing I picked up on too was that then they, they when I first saw it, I was like, "Hey, little girl, blah blah blah, neat." No, she's running around, whatever. She had the bracers on right from the beginning, so those things were always with her, mm-hmm. like. They were always on, right? And they are gifts, right? They were a gift from Hippolyta. They were a gift from Zeus to give to her, whatever, right? So she always had them. And and they were instrumental in all those sort of moments of transition in the narrative, the big moments, right? Mm-hmm. Her her discovery of, of her potential as a warrior, her final confrontation with... Um, Aries, yes. right? So they all were, you know, like those, that was a, they're tokens, right? They're recognition tokens of another shape, right? And, and almost, uh, she herself is a recognition token in many ways, mm-hmm. right? She has an embedded identity and, and like that. Well, and you, know? you mentioned the, the Campbell elements yeah, of, of stuff. Yeah. the myth. And yeah. one of those is that your parents aren't who aren't the, who the hero thinks they are not often yeah. right and like so raglan. here she knows yeah. she knows her mother she doesn't yeah. know her father yeah and it's not until she realizes yeah well until aries tells her no zeus is yeah. your father right that she 
makes that connection yeah. for yourself. And then it's very... Um, well, that's Tolkien Campbell, too, because yeah. you learn from your enemy. Yes. They have the knowledge that makes you complete, and only by confronting them do you do you become the whole hero, right? And then she turns Ares's weapon, so to yeah. speak, against him, because when he's trying to zap her with the lightning, he's pulling yeah. down lightning and trying, yeah. to, trying to zap her with yes. that. And it's like it supercharges her. Mm -hmm. And it's like in that moment... She finally finds. Yeah, the braces are very effective there. Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah and it's almost like she. You They're know, charged and then up. She kind of soaks it up, and yeah. then she can dish it back yeah. out to him. Yeah. But it's not um, as as you have mentioned um, before when we've talked about it. Yeah. Um, each element, each power she has, comes to her just when she needs it. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's it echoes the idea that we see with the with Greek mythology where. The hero has a god come and help him. Yeah, him. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Each with each step when it is needed, like right. or or gives them a specific tools as they are needed. Yes. And then um, and then we make the mistakes of either not using them at the right time or keeping them and not returning them. Yeah. Right. Or there's some other imbalance in the cosmos. Yeah. But th that's all the way that those sort of divine apparatuses apparatus. Yeah. Right. Function. Uh, so you know you see that you see that on occasion, yeah. There are lots of Campbellian tropes in in that that you know something struck me too as you were speaking. You were talking about if her mother had convinced her of her uh, birth narrative, right, of her genesis, right, the Pandora yes. type story. Yes, okay. and and the little girl. We're yeah. talking about the little yeah. girl. So the little girl knew that's what it was, right, and she accepted that Hippolyta was her mother, right. Yes. And that's it. So she has only loyalty to the mother. She knows only the mother, right? Mm -hmm. And the Amazon society, right? It's like Athena upside down. Yes. I was thinking of Athena yeah. as well. Um, because that ties her directly to Hippolyta, just as Athena is tied directly to Zeus, right? And, and it, well, you could just say, well, like Athena, Diana is very much connected to Zeus, Right? She has. T did you notice there were two moments where she does prayers to the sky? Just, there's two. Oh, which ones? The first one. The, uh, you might. I'll say it first one, and you kind of tell me when when she's talking to her mother. But just before she storms out from her mother, and she's on the hillside, and she throws her arms back and looks up to the sky for a moment, and that's when Steve Trevor appears, comes in mm -hmm. on the plane through mm -hmm. the through the sort of mm -hmm. mystical shield or whatever, right? And fog. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then there's another one just before she does the final confrontation with uh, with Ares because she, she puts her arms back and that's when he's throwing all that metal and flame at her and it's like the bracers are projecting this sort of field around her and, and then she's really cranking it up right around there, right, with hyper speed and all the rest of the stuff. So there are kind of two moments where it's like it looks like as the camera moves up, she's looking up into the sky, like, like a, uh, what do you call it? like epiphany or a revelation or something like that, right? About to receive a boom from the gods, right? Speaking of epiphanies, yeah. what I think was really clever of them, because the first time I saw it, it sucked me in. Like, mm -hmm. yes, Ludendorff must be Aries. He must yeah. be Aries. Oh, yeah. And what did it for me the first time watching through was yeah. when... Uh, Dr. Poison uh -huh. gives him that... Those capsules? Yeah, those yeah. capsules. Yeah. And, and he becomes physically yeah. bigger, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so, tough. And 
if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, yeah. you, um, you know that well, when a god becomes that. Okay. right, yeah. right? Does so, he get larger though? He he, he just kind of like no, for me he, it was like a he, super he steroid. Stronger, yeah. But he definitely mm-hmm. to me he definitely looked like he became physically bigger. Okay, but that could that could have been a sure. trick with the three D yeah. as well. Too. Well, I could see how you went down that path. But, so, they were so that's why I bought the it the time. first time. Is, yeah. and, well, and, and I, was, I, and I don't know, know if they intended that, but I'm like, well, yeah, so that makes sense because here he is. Yeah. And he's like. I didn't detect oh. the switcheroo until their moment of, yeah. of recognition. Right? Which makes it all the more clever. Right, absolutely. That's the Sir Morgan character, right? Yes. And, and, spoiler. And, spoiler alert. It's <laughs> <clears throat> a classic devil in the details. Like the, the true villain is the one that operates unseen behind, from behind. Right, who through cunning, manipulation, deceit, is engineering the deaths of millions, right, in this great war. The guy in the front line that's got the rifle doing the job, yeah, he's you know what I mean, that's that's just the way it is, right? So when I saw that character I kept thinking, Oh yes, this is like you know, this is very much what we would expect of the classic horned devil, you know, that you don't really see. You know? The thing that I really loved about Wonder Woman mm-hmm. is she does not need a man to save her. And as a, now, I do not watch tons and tons and tons of movies. As as anybody who knows me knows, my movie knowledge is a little lacking sometimes. But so often, when you when when well when you do watch movies, it's always the the woman is the helper maiden. The woman is um, she's a love interest that is used and thrown away. Damsel in distress. She is a damsel in distress. Yeah, powerless. She is. A, a villain somehow or associate you know some kind of double scheming kind of thing mm-hmm. and here we have in Wonder Woman we have a woman who does not need anybody to she is it mm-hmm. and in a way yes she needed Steve yes but not not to not, save not in her. the way that you would not, think not, in a classic not, role of narrative. Not, yeah, not yeah. in the way not that because she needs wasn't to strong s- enough or not competent enough. And yeah. it was that she needed to have a human connection and experience love. Yeah, and witness love or learn the or learn yeah. it. Um, yeah. In 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 some way, have yeah. some idea of what that is. Yeah, it was modernity that really she needed to get a good healthy dose yeah. of because she didn't really have that. And when she and when she confronts that modern man, that's a modern man. Yeah. That's World War One, yeah. right? And and he's telling her the way the world is as he sees it. She's she had that childish naivete that I love. You and I giggled at a couple of spots okay, that I thought were great. But right, I fell in. It's watching it the second time. I fell in love with Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was when they were in the trench, and mm-hmm. he is mansplaining. He is mansplaining. Yeah. He is explaining to her yet yeah. again that she can't you, do something. You can't do this. And yeah. she just That's looks no at man's him. That's no man's land. Yeah. And she just looks at him, mm-hmm. and and it was just such a look. I'm just like every woman who has ever mm-hmm. had men telling her what in some way what she can or can't do, or trying to mansplain her job to her. Like it was all in that one look, and I was just like, Wonder Woman, I love you. You are my hero now. That <laughs> was a it was a great scene. That scene because it operated for me on a number of different levels. Not only was it a group of men, and she was the you know the sole feminine figure there, the interloper in in, in yeah. man's world, right? And in, he's trying to be as delicate about it as he can, considering the situation. He's like. They had already run that gauntlet earlier, you know, as they approached the town, seeing those 
refugees and the people and you know distress and war and the horses and the rest and she's wanted to stop and help every single one of them but she accepted steve's, she had to learn yeah she accepted steve's you know um instruction in a sense the saying you know we can't stop them there's a larger issue right there's something else at stake we're on a mission we can't stop now and and that made sense to her at that moment but then when she got into that trench and saw that woman and her child and learned from her about the terrible conditions that were going on in that village on the other side of no man's land she couldn't she could not take action anymore right so the heroic decision is forced upon her. This is the type mm-hmm. of thing that I write about. The moment, the moment of right. of truth for the her. The moment of truth for her, right? And to the point. Well, her second one, really, because her first yeah. one was in leaving, leaving the island. Yeah, um, yeah, but we're yeah, we are. We're yeah, moving into anyway, jeopardy, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and in in an untested situation. Uh, that you have only really your own skill and, and faith to, to rely upon and in your own ignorance too because if you were to accept what he had said as face value then you'd say okay absolutely right let's just keep moving right he had made some kind of statement to her saying you know these they've been fighting here for a year and they've only over inches that's no one goes there no he said no man survives in no man's land and you that's can almost they see call her saying well, I'm, I'm a no, woman, yeah. so it doesn't. And I'm no man. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So, and it works great. It, it's it's like it's like in Tolkien. It's like, it almost reminds me in Tolkien, where one of the witch kings can't be killed by a man, and she kills, mm-hmm. she kills him, right? Yeah. And then she takes off her helmet. You can see her long auburn hair or whatever, right? And it's a little, you know, yeah, one of those type of things, right? So when I saw that too, I kept thinking about this idea of that moment of epiphany or that moment when the hero steps into themselves. It's like that for me was the moment when she becomes a hero because she is going into no man's land. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and you mentioned the ladder, the ladder. Yeah. I like the ladder, the ladder when she climbed up the ladder. Yeah. And that's interesting. And I like, and thinking back, that's kind of interesting because after that point, I mean, she just jumps wherever yeah, she, she's going but yeah. she climbs the ladder here and then she ultimately flies i mm-hmm. i i liked uh, yeah because uh patty jenkins right she's the director and i and i she made a number of really kind of smart decisions and i can't recall the cinematographer's name but they're also responsible for blocking the shot and creating certain things and then the way that we had that slow-mo effect as she made that moment to take the robe off she was wearing and then put on and tie a piece tiara or yeah. whatever or a helmet and uh and then climb up right the camera kind of tracked her from like the almost chthonic realm of disease and mud and death and then frustration and stagnation that she was in and then she elevates herself above that world to step onto a battlefield of no man's land right that no man can can get into and begins to cross the distance uh, the this undiscovered country, this barrier, whatever, right? Call it what you will. And um, so when I saw the ladder, I thought it was a really good metaphor because ladders are there for everyone to use. There were ladders everywhere on that trench. But those guys didn't go up those ladders and they didn't try to cross that no man's land. Well, they're right? mortals. Yeah. And She's they, not. They, well. She, uh, she's semi-divine. Yeah, I know, but... 
she has is braver a certain type of bravery, yeah. but it's the unique lock that for the key that yeah. to cross that right, and uh, only once they you notice too like it kind of went in waves like she went over and and then the Germans are you know in there and they're complacent to say whatever and then they start pouring on a bunch of fire on her and stuff. And you're like, wow, this is not going as well as I thought, but it's going. She's advancing. And the people are looking. The guys are starting to look. And then that's when Steve Trevor and his comrades there kind of do a little around the side to help. Because they, they get out because they're... they're like, she's drawing fire the, Yeah, they're drawing us, fire so for us. Yeah. So he's going to take advantage of it. And then that's when all the men came out, right? Yeah. So sometimes in that heroic narrative, like, you know, it sounds kind of trite, but it does take the action... Or at least the decisions of a few or one to to get the rest of the group going, you know, like that one guy that's going to make that choice, or that one in this case, that one woman that's going to make that choice to do something about it, right? Instead of just waiting. Right? Yeah, I want to come back to mythology specifically for mm-hmm. a minute, mm-hmm. um, and I'm glad that that we saw it twice because mm-hmm. the second time kind of. There, there are a lot of details in the backstory that yeah, I would that Diana missed. is given, yeah, um, and so it helped me kind of pick up s- some of them. But I find it, I found it really interesting. I noticed right away how they've taken Greek mythology, yes, and morphed it into a Judeo-Christian context. Mm-hmm. So in Greek mythology, Ares isn't an evil guy; he's just the god of war, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is, mm-hmm. and some of the gods like the gods are sometimes good and they're sometimes bad but there's no god that's inherently evil right and no god that's in, in, inherently good yeah and so here we have zeus who has completely expended himself yeah. and is spent yeah um against this one god who is depicted as evil so you've got that judeo-christian um good god yeah. and and evil yeah. devil or yeah. evil satan right? yeah exactly and then very close and to then it. you've yeah. got the child of that good god who yes. is the one who defeats the, the evil yes the evil satan right? yes um so I found that really interesting and yeah. and an intre- interesting because it shows how we continue to take Greek myths mm-hmm. and because the mindset of Greek mythology is often very different from what yes I don't want to say all people in the West are raced with but well, the with the monotheistic kind yeah. of ideas that have pervaded yes. um, North American society yeah. And um, that it gets it, the Greek gods, the Greek pantheon gets rejigged to fit that and to create more tension for us because there wouldn't be the same tension. And it's done effectively. If, I don't oh, have yes, a problem yes, with it. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wouldn't, I don't think it would be as effective for, yeah. for our audiences mm-hmm. um, if they tried to stay true to true and i yeah. use that in quotation marks yeah. because myth is so malleable but true to kind of the greek version yeah it wouldn't right? work it wouldn't work there wouldn't She'd be, be that too tension. selfish yeah she would yeah she it would yeah like you know there's a try to plug heracles into that situation it would just break down yeah you know, like he wouldn't care. You know, it'd be like, okay, and yeah, maybe, unless he was being compelled to do it by, you know, some other, like a, a la, or some labor or something. But yeah, it wouldn't work because there's no basis in this this idea of this sort of philosophy of love, right, or human yeah. charity that is in there that Diana sort of expresses. 
And even that little background myth, as strange as it was, it was very odd. I was trying to track it very fast, but basically they were saying that the Amazons themselves had been created to introduce love to mankind yes. to stop the constant war, right? The sort of constant bloodshed that was and, and the, loose in the world, right? And that's already a change, it, again, yeah. from the Greek mythology, oh, totally. where Amazons are a female warrior tribe. They're right. not necessarily aggressive, yeah. but they will defend themselves totally. and defend themselves very well and right. very strongly. Yeah, and, and they're, 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 their threat to society is of a completely yes. different nature. Yes. The, 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 these, these women on this island are of no threat to any anyone. No. They do, don't even... They don't leave they, their island. They don't. They, uh, Antiope said, you know, that she knows, don't you feel it in your bones that Ares is still alive? Hippolyta didn't want to recognize it, that she was correct, because acknowledging his existence realizes, acknowledges Diana's role in their in their destiny, which is to raise her and train her and go and do, confront Ares, mm -hmm. right, wherever she he may be. And... Uh, you know, one of them even said something, well, what are we going to do? Send the Amazon army out to, to take care of this war of men? We're not, this is man's world. We're not yeah. going to go and do this thing, right? We can't do it. It's not, not up to us. So there was a number of sort of philosophical and kind of existential threats that, that sort of hovered around their decision-making process. I thought that was quite well done. Um, yeah. So yeah, that the Judeo-Christian stuff, that, the, that messianic tone, right? And... Uh, she was like the lion unleashed, you know, that type of idea, you know, come as a lion, come as a lamb, return as a lion idea, you know, that sort of wish fulfillment that you want to have in this sort of value satisfaction, this system, uh, where you want the bad guy to, you know, you want to see Captain America punch Hitler in the face, right? Well, in this case, you want to see Diana, right, yeah. punch Ares, you, can, you know, do something about it, right? But it's bigger than that. They even acknowledge it in the story. They say it's not about just like, right? Yeah. That the men themselves are corrupted somehow. And I mentioned Pandora. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of Pandora to yeah, be recognized sorry. in Diana. Yeah, so Diana, yeah. Um, Diana is, her, the story that she is given. Yes. Is that she was that... Uh, it's a cover story. Yeah, her cover yeah. story is that Hippolyta made her from Earth and Zeus breathed life into her. Right. Well, in Greek mythology... Men are made mm -hmm. by uh, men. Men, the Golden Age men, yeah, are made by. Do you remember? Uh, Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he breathes life into them, and yeah. they live happily. And then woman is made. Yeah. As Pandora. Pandora is yeah. is the first woman who's right. made in Greek mythology, yes. and she is given. Now she's given gifts by All the, the gods. gods. Yeah. And here we see Diana made. In the story, sure. Diana ma made by Hippolyta, life breathed into her by Zeus, but right. then she has all of these other gifts yes. as well, yeah. including from Hestia, the uh, the, the, the lariat, lariat, of, yeah, the lasso of truth the, the, yeah. that burns with the fire, yeah, because he said it burns with the fire of truth. He goes, it's hot. Remember, he was he he could kind of like sense it. You notice that struggling? Well, I thought that was great too. That's kind of a stupid thing to mention, but I, I liked it. I just wanted to yeah. add, um, Hestia is an interesting choice there, yeah, because. She's not somebody who comes up in mythology. We, we don't have myths about Hestia. Yeah. She's the goddess who stays at home and guards the heart. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, and she's yeah. very much a feminine goddess yeah. and, and a chthonic and yeah. powerful and chthonic goddess. Yeah. But mm. I just thought that that was interesting that, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, she's feminine and she's powerful, but mm. she's kind of, the, she stays at home. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but it moralizes the whole idea is where do you find the truth? 
Yeah. You find the truth at home, right? Yeah. You find it in families, mm-hmm. right? Not in those people that would choose to, for political reasons or motivations of war or, or whatever, right? So it moralizes the oikos in some way, right? And associates the flame with truth, right? That's a powerful Christian yeah. symbol, right? Yeah. Uh, light, right? All that type of stuff. And even even when Steve Trevor is engaged with it, and, and he uses it on her, which I thought was kind of a weird way. He Remember the one party, he, she's accusing him of lying to her. Yeah, so he so takes he it and he grabs it and wraps it around his hand, right? And says, no, no I'm, I'm taking you to the front. You he's know, like, oh my like, goodness, this is a yeah, terrible guess, idea. Yeah, We're going to die, exactly. but I'm taking you to the front. Right, so you, you yeah. see that, right? You, you can see how it kind of works. And they use it, of course, to interrogate him when he does sort of fall out of the sky. Doesn't work you know, like, on Ari's. No. Doesn't, is not powerful well, enough to work on Ari's. Well, I, you know, I, when I saw that, I said it did because he said, I am. You know what I mean? She said, are you, right? And he just said, I am, right? And Sorry, then, yes. From the truth perspective, yeah. I was just thinking as a weapon in yeah. general, it doesn't yeah. oh, work on him because yeah. it's, it, it's always just out of reach. Yeah, of yeah. She didn't yeah. quite know how to use it well yeah. enough yet until she really got into... It was the lightning. Yeah. It, it, it was the, the lightning and the bracers. That, yeah, and the ferocity of yeah. it. You know, once once she realized this, that Steve Trevor had sacrificed himself, again, we're in another transitional moment, Campbellian moment. We're moving into a third phase. And she becomes the sole hero, right? Yeah. And recognizes, you know, what what's at stake, not only in her decision, but in the decisions of others. You know, all that type well, of stuff. And realizing, because it's, sorry, it's it's not just um, Steve. Yeah. But she also notices that the other three yeah, are in, in their group, yeah. they're done. They're yeah. out of ammunition. Yeah, they are... And they're yeah. just like, we don't have anything more. And, and the camera shows that yeah, from they, her perspective. They, they and then it shows mm-hmm. Steve Trevor. And then the combination of it, mm-hmm. that realization, I mean, you can, of course, you just watch it dawn across her face. Absolutely. That there are humans here who who are still trying, who are not giving up. There oh, is yeah. some good, right? Oh, yeah. Because Ari's, of course, is trying to tell her that there oh, is Oh, it's hopeless. Yeah, he, and Ari's is case for there not being any good is Dr. Poison. Mm-hmm. And you know I want to talk about Dr. Poison. Uh, yeah. From a specific specific angle. Yeah, it was there was a couple um, good scenes with her that I overlooked in the first first little bit. With Dr. Poison. Yeah. She's actually in the comic books too. That is a part of the canon of Wonder Woman. Is this early villain. So I witnessed or was uh, participant to some interesting Twitter conversations oh, yeah. around issues of diversity in film, and you know that that's something that not film specifically, but issues of diversity that um, that I try to be aware of. Oh. And we see here mm-hmm. again the trope of the disabled and the disfigured mm-hmm. equal evil as a shorthand of evil, mm-hmm. and that's something I just want to acknowledge that is very troubling, and it's something that is goes way beyond any one movie or any one book. Oh, yeah, it's, a, um, it's a huge yeah. cultural, there's a lot of cultural baggage with totally. that with, with that trope of the yeah. disabled as less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Greek mythology, I mean, we the only uh, disability we see among the gods is Hephaestus, and and he's, you know, he's shuffled off. He's not quite on the level mm-hmm. of the other gods. Mm-hmm. But here we see that shorthand of, the disability, the disfigured, mm-hmm. the the visual disfigurement. So it's very prominent, um, and that association and connection with evil. Yeah. And yeah, she's she's a really interesting character. Yeah. And it's there's that really tense scene where Wonder Woman has to decide 
Is she going to listen to Ari's and destroy Dr. Yeah. Poison? Yeah, because it would be so easy to. Yeah, he's trying or to tell is, her. Or is she yeah. going to listen to yeah. basically what Steve told her before yeah. that maybe it's not just any one of us. Maybe we all have that, even himself. Yeah, like, right? yeah, because yeah, she had to make that choice about to save her or to spare her or not, right? Like the Emperor's clemency, you know, like r that moment that, what do you call that, uh, Damocles sword, right? Hanging above her head. And uh, all she has to do is well, will it's it. It's a tank. Yeah, yeah, it's a tank, right? <laughs> but Ares was trying to convince Diana that this woman, this enemy, was emblematic of the very evil that was in the world that would cause destruction, even without his influence, right? And that she was not worthy, not Diana, that, that Dr. Poison, Dr. Moreau, yeah. was not worthy of uh, being spared, for lack of a better word, right? But as she replayed those moments, blah, 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 she realized it, right? That sort of community idea, right? And she did spare her while she threw the tank aside and then went on to kind of grapple with it, with Ares. And and I and I hear what you're saying about about those those other moments too. And that character is a very interesting character because you do want to see her as um, like a paper mache villain. Uh, but I thought there was some depth for the short amount of time that you did see her. The, the her and the Ludendorff character had a, a, a kind of a, a sort of pseudo intimate connection because both of them were. Um, uh, let's just say evil, for lack of a better word, and they delighted in the the sort of artifice of their of their work. Uh, so their killing it was uh, almost um, erotic like the, in that a way. Great scene where they have just thrown the the gas canisters in the they they kill in, together. Yeah. yeah, in like kind of and a, then in the, and then they're like, in the hallway. And yeah, like, yeah. And she's like, "Why did you give them the gas mask? Yeah. It won't help them. Yeah. They don't know that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they just have this like moment together. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's a. They're kin in a way, right? Yeah. Uh, so you had that, that quality to her. And um, as far as the disfigurement thing, it, you know, I, I, when I looked at that again, I know what you're talking about. And th those can be troublesome. Um, but when I looked at that, I thought a couple of things struck my mind. One was like once bitten, twice shy. Like someone who operates in that world. Uh, as a what they call her a chemist for the German Navy, a German army or whatever, making those sort of weapons of death and destruction. It's like you become your work in a way, right? Yeah. So by operating around volatile chemicals and so on and so forth, she become she became sort of scarred maybe mentally and physically, you know, and, and by by her work, by what it is that she does. So it does become a shorthand, and I like the way that you phrase that. For me, it has become a shorthand for a, a very quick window into her psyche. Well, and you know? the interesting thing, too, and I was aware of this, and I was thinking about this, especially the second time. Yeah, she's wearing a prothesis, yeah. and um, and World War One is when huge advances were made in, in prosthetic limbs, yeah. facial prosthetics, nose, yeah. all, all kinds of prostheses mm -hmm. because of necessity. Yeah. Um, this is a villain you can recognize. Yes, and yeah. y you see her though at the very end without the pro prosthesis. Pr yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> my, I'm yeah. tripping over my tongue today. <laughs> this is not a good podcasting <laughs> moment. Um, honest, I'm just drinking water. Um, you see her without that, and 
I had sympathy for her in that moment. Yeah, it worked. Because... So did Diana. That's why she lived. It's a strange injury. And Mm -hmm. and I want to know what happened to her. It's like a lab experiment gone wrong. Well, not... Like, somebody hurt her. That's what I thought. I didn't see it as a self-inflicted or something like that. But something has happened that has hurt this person somehow and not just physically but things happen that hurt us all and one of them mentioned earlier in the movie yeah um i think it's chief we're all fighting our own wars yeah yeah no it's not chief it's the um it's the other fellow who who, um wears the fez okay yeah sammy sammy thank you um he he says to to diana in that french village he says we're all fighting our own battles yeah even you, Diana. Yeah. And I see that. Yeah, that's interesting. That echoed with Dr. Yeah. Poison. She's sure. had her own battle, and for whatever reason, it has turned out yeah. the way it I did. don't know. I don't want to. I want to know her backstory is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has a <laughs> black soul because you learn that very quickly when... But when, why does she have a black soul? That's uh, the thing. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you learn that in the scene with Chris Pine talking to her as a spy in the gala. And he's making a... a he's He's... It's it's classic. He's making a move on her in a in a in a romantic way, right? And he knows just what buttons to press around prestige and I admire your work and so on. And and here's the type of woman, disfigured as she is, would be unused to, right, this type of attention, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's starting to work, right? She's paying attention to him, right? And but then her loyalty to Ludendorff pops up. And she puts a block only when she notices he's actually looking at Diana when Diana yeah. comes in, right? Yeah. But if he li- if he maintained that, he might have been able to get the data that he was there trying to find yeah. out about, right? Like it might have worked a little, just it needed a little bit more. She didn't drink, right? Because he brought her champagne, so he drank it. And then he cooked up some wooden banter. And that banter. could be a very physical thing because her yeah. her disability is with her face, right, oh, in her mouth. Sure, who knows? I, yeah, why not? And and but when he started to talk about his observations of fire, is when she was like, "Yeah, he's like me." Yeah, you know what I mean. And because he was talking about its destructive quality, its chaotic, its powers of entropy, right, and all that. And she, he admired fire for its destructive quality, right. And and she was all on board that, right. There are the nihilistic amongst us, right? The chaotic, right? These types of things. And I thought that was a pretty good character. Really, really good character. We'll have to do a little bit more work on yeah. Dr. Moreau. The Ludendorff character, though. What mm-hmm. did you think about the Ludendorff character? Well, for the longest, <laughs> for most of the movie, the yeah. first time I saw it, I thought he was Ari. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty easy to hate that character. He's very easy to hate. And How, I, think, you, I think, I think, and this is part of, this ties in with what I'm about to say, yeah. is I think that this movie does a really good job of making us ask mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. who is worthy of our help. Yeah. Why do we help the people we help? Right. And if we take it reflectively, where do we as a society draw the line? When do we decide that somebody is not worthy of our help? Right. And I mean, this is something that's very current in Canada. Yeah. Um, if if you follow Canadian politics, mm-hmm. you know there's the Omar Kader. Ka- yeah. I think I just said Cotter. Cotter. Thank yeah. you. Um, case right now, and people have very strong and passionate feelings about that. But what it boils down to is who, how, when when we consider someone a citizen, mm-hmm. then they're a citizen, and these are the rules that our society has followed. Absolutely. And I think Wonder Woman is the the movie is asking 
among other things, is asking that same question yeah. of when we're looking at a society, who are we to choose who to help? Yeah, how do we make decisions? Uh, that's one thing I, when, when we were talking about, I said save it for the podcast, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. I had noticed. We were trying not to yeah, talk about this. <laughs> was how the voiceover at the very beginning as we were introduced to Thimascara was Diana's voice. Just before they went to the modern framework about receiving the photograph that mm-hmm. informed the story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about your story one time. Tell me about yeah. who you were. Uh, and um, it, the voiceover said, you know, there was a time when I, something like there was a time when I thought that I could save the world. And then we went into the story. And then at the end of the story, there's the same type of moment where she's talking uh, talking about that. As she's looking at the, at the photograph and she's saying, it's an acknowledgement of that idea. She realizes she can't save the world, but she has to keep going on fighting right for whatever she stands for right mm-hmm. liberté égalité fraternité <laughs> whatever right yeah. uh, look the red white and blue i saw the red ensigns i saw the flags i saw, and she's in paris i like i you can't help it you know so i'm thinking you know there's these high, there's sort of higher ideals right and we're just sort of keep she's keep keeps going on and keeps doing these sort of things making these choices and uh that that was one of the framing mechanisms of the movie that I really yeah. liked. I lo- to get to the Ludendorff character, you know, like oh yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah like I know I it, you know, to make you want to make you want to hate him. I didn't really hate him per se, but it was just like you're like, hey man, talk about a fast recognized villain. Yes. Your introduction, he gets out of a car and he shoots a guy with a luger. I'm like, he's like, my men haven't eaten for two days. We've been working, you know, and he's like, I haven't eaten there either, you know, and and here's a guy working against quote unquote the armistice, World War One, right? Yeah, and and he. And he's not interested in the armistice and not interested in peace. Only the relentless sort of drive to fuel the war machine, right? With our character, Doctor Poison, right? And well, he's interested in victory. He's, he's, like it's Ari yeah. just wants to per- perpetuate war, but yeah. he's convinced that he will win. That, he, that they yeah, will win that they if will they win. just give it enough time right. to finish this new gas. Right, and I, and I love and, and I talked about sort of this head on this head-on rush into modernity like Diana comes out of the mythical landscape right she literally comes out of Finiscara as like a some kind of uh, I don't know what floating, you call it a sailboat floating down the Thames yeah yeah exactly and she's this in, place is ugly <laughs> yeah she says it's hideous right and it's, it is hideous it's spinning when you look at it that way <laughs> yeah you know it's it's nasty Compared to the Paradise Island which I, I thought that was great because Steve they actually gave Steve Trevor the the line to deliver it and that that shot right through to Hippolyta because Hippolyta said to Diana the gods gave us this paradise mm-hmm. remember and yes. I was like and I was thinking oh because I remember the comic books I remember and then it Paradise gets Island Paradise one more time and, and it gets called Paradise Island right yeah. by Steve right at the end mm-hmm. he doesn't know it he wasn't there for that yeah. thing but it just works right and uh, so I thought that was great but that gas is so modern because like yeah Steve talks about you know the guys with the machine guns and the Germans and the whatever and you see the tanks and the planes but the gas is really what makes World War 1 a hell on earth yeah. you know what i mean like and and the, the fact that you know we're being introduced into this threshold moment of uh, you know, weapons of mass destruction. Look how much damage we did with bolt action rifles and machine guns, right? Now we're putting gas on it, right? And just to turn it up a notch to make it almost like a nuclear kind of thing in a way, right? Because those last bombs yeah. were supposed to be quite the big deal. So, you know. Well, and there's an added level of horror. It's great deal menace, yeah. 
because that that scene where the vi- where the village is gas mm-hmm. that is done as entertainment for the gala. Yeah, that's the fireworks. That's the that fireworks. He says, yeah. "I hope you enjoy the fireworks." Yeah, they fire they're a gas gassing, shell. They're gassing a civilian populace yeah. for their own entertainment, right? And to and demonstrate so, so, their so new weapon. So it's even more. It's even more if it's possible. Yeah. that just makes it even more heinous. Hey, heinous. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes, your highness. Yeah, hey, heinous. Yeah, it is heinous, and it's it's callous, and it's evil, and it's terrible. And repulsive and repugnant and a thousand other things, but that's and then she goes in and she is unaffected by the gas. You yes. can't approach again. It's one of these no no man's land situations. Yeah. You know, when you have like a feminine force that enters into the into death, right? Yeah, there are sources of life, but life is not divorced from death. True wisdom is understanding that they are the same thing, right? Yeah. You can't just have one, not the other, and 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 that is is a very kind of a powerful situation and, and a powerful realization. That's that's lot being said about Wonder Woman, but you know, it's a it's, it's I like the Ludendorff character in that regard. I want to back up and talk yeah. about water for a minute. Water, um, because one of the elements that we sometimes see in Greek myth, we see this in the Odyssey, for yeah. example, is this idea of nekusis, yes, yeah, swimming, swimming yeah. and rebirth, yeah, and that plays a role in Nehu. Wonder Woman, yeah, death. Um, so. First, there is, of course, Steve crashing into the water. She dives yeah. in and rescues him, pulls him out of the water. And yes. he is now he is now in, oh. in a Nekusis. Yeah. So he is the farthest point uh, from his home. His world. That, his world He's in another world. That, that, yeah. that he can be. Yeah. And then they go back across the water yeah. by boat. And she then is... Yeah. Is separated, and we know that she will never be able to go back once she leaves. She she yeah. can't go back because yeah. Hi- Hippolytus says you gotta know if when you leave you can't come back. There's no yeah. She, you know what? I watched that again. She says May, May. Yeah. So you, yeah. It's, in those worlds, like it's yeah. comic book land, right? Yeah. You gotta leave things open because yeah, writers you, change their mind, yeah. right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, but yeah, that is the that is the idea, right? Yeah. You know, you you go out that door. You're not yeah. coming back, right? So but I just wanted to highlight. Oh, the, water's the fantastic! In, look, look at you, and we have that classic. If it's that classic shot mm-hmm. of the sailboat and the starlit sky, and oh yeah, you like the, that? Yeah, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's instantly yeah. recognizable. Yeah, it, it, and they sleep. Yet another transition, yes. right? Yes. Another and, another form of nekusis. Yeah, the the yeah. rebirth, right? And yeah. and in 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 that Judeo Christian context, when she when um when Steve falls out of the sky and lands in the water and he looks up at that moment when he's plunging down into the water he looks up and he sees her standing on the fuselage right then she jumps in and pulls him out in a judeo-christian that would be like a full immersion baptismal you know a baptism right it's it's he's coming out right he's been anointed now she's pulling him out of the water it's a messianic yeah. Character in many ways, right? It's demigod like, god like, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. You know, you could, there's a lot of hay to be made there. Yeah. And like, whether that's intentionally the director's choice or the writer's choice or a cultural thing or whatever, they all work. Well, and that's the thing it's that always concept. makes me, all, that, that I'm always curious about mm-hmm. is like, it, like, even the ancient passages that we sit down and we talk about these things oh, yeah. and we see all these, all these patterns and, sure. and, and motifs that are repeated across stories and across mythology. You hope to get a few of them right. Well, and, and I wonder, like, I always wonder how much of it was intentional. 
And how much of it was just an accident of culture that this is what they're this is the storytelling that we're familiar with. So these are the these are the ways we tell our stories. Hands make things. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that gets into all kinds of theory. Yeah. We don't need to go down that path. But But I to push it to push it. Yeah. Right. You see what I'm talking about. Right. The lion and the messianic stuff. And, And then and then the scene in the village. Yeah. Right. When they're at. The fountain, mm-hmm. water again, right? Yeah. And they bring them beer. a beer to drink, Demeter, grain, right? Yeah. And she. I saw Demeter elsewhere in the movie too. And then they go to dance, mm-hmm. right? And she says, You're very close, blah, 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 right? And the tension. And he's like, right? Well, that's the yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing, right? And then what happens? It starts to snow. Right. Yeah. Now, in Europe, especially in the Middle Ages, the dead of winter is what sacred time Christmas right so this is when the armistice well, or, or or solstice solstice actually, yeah it's, it's yeah, in, in, the, proper, in, the middle, yeah. in the middle ages you yeah. know this that's the holy season that's the high calendar yeah. right and it starts to snow she has no experience with it but she says it's magical right so here you have this sort of messianic figure this sort of redemptive character and so on and so forth and you're getting that and in the European mind at least or in that illusion that I'm drawing out now yeah. You're in the you're in the high calendar there. You're in the most sacred time, right? That's the beginning when in this, the darkest time, in the dead of winter, right? When you start to round the corner and, and things then start things to, to come back to life again, yeah, right? Yeah. So you see you see that sun rising after yeah. the airfields destroyed yes, at the end. You see yes. her jumping off the tower into the horizon, like flying, right? Into yeah. the into the next whatever into the next conflict so those sort of things are coming right um so i I, you know when i saw that i I thought and you know wow that's that to me that kind of works right you mentioned demeter and uh, and i kind of alluded to this already in our conversation but Mm -hmm. i i just want to tease it a little bit more Mm -hmm. um we talked about how diana had to experience love yeah and the loss of the the loss of steve oh yeah is part of driving that yeah um i thought of it in terms of the Homeric hymn to Demeter, where mm-hmm. Demeter is the only goddess who experiences loss yeah. and compassion True. and those human emotions and human elements. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw that as a parallel here, that Diana has come from, like se- a, semi-divine has come from a completely different place. Yeah, like an Eden. And, and she has to yeah. experience those yes. human feelings as yeah. well before she can do world. what she was meant to do. Now, yeah. Demeter functions, you know, as her fertility function regardless. But that's a key yeah. part of her story is that sure. human experience. And I, I, yeah. saw, I saw a parallel I, I, here I, I don't Diana. think that they are I'm devoid not, of human experience yeah. on Themyscira. But she does have sort of a young, sheltered sort of yeah. naivete that very quickly encounters the reality of things, yeah. right? And there's a parody. There's like a binary. Like, as much as this is a story of Wonder Woman, you can't really ha- – you need the Steve Trevor character because that's really what the whole thing's about. Like, yeah, it's – After we just said, oh, she doesn't need Steve. But yeah, anyway, well, she, they, the they, story they, does. <laughs> yeah, they, the story does. Like, they need each other to figure things out. Like, she doesn't really need a man per se to do anything, to be honest, no. just like you said. But – if we're going to work that story, he's yeah. the he's sort of like the, uh, what would you call that, a threshold guardian, like in Campbell's terms? Like, you know, sort of like the the person who gives you a little bit of knowledge so you can make the next little he's step. He's the helper maiden. Yeah, he's like the helper he's the maiden. He's the helper maiden. Yeah. He, he introduces her to the world, gives her a few tools, Edda, you know, yeah. like, hey, there's a podcast right there. But, <laughs> you know, uh, 
and and kind of gives her a you know that you know that when the baby's born you smack him on the backside <laughs> so they start to cry kind of thing and then figure out what's going on so yeah there's that and then learns about sacrifice you know from 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 this character I thought the thought that the, the Steve Trevor character was well done and you know for the amount of screen time that he had yeah you know um, yeah why not you know so yeah. what do you think it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. will probably watch it again whenever it makes it its way to Netflix eventually. Sure. Um, and you, dear listeners, we really hope that you get the chance to watch this if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. And let, let us know what you... I don't know. This could be dangerous to ask because I know people have very passionate feelings. Um, <laughs> yeah, people but, do get uh, ramped up over their movies. Let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. We are going to um, do a little blog post, or I'm going to do a little blog post at some point in the coming week. Hopefully, I'll have this up um, shortly after this podcast is released um but a blog post just about amazons with with with, uh, a little bit of our thoughts about amazons and how they function in myth and that kind of thing a little Mm -hmm. bit of of the research that we were initially had a plan to talk about but we really felt that we wanted to give wonder woman the full the full hour yeah and if you've enjoyed it let us know and we may um we may take on other movies as well and uh we're we're both interested in how in how Greek mythology gets reused in modern contexts mm-hmm. and, and received. You're you're yeah. <laughs> you're the comic book yeah, I'm expert. Yeah, the comic person. Yeah. Um, so let us know what you think. If you'd like to see more episodes like this, um, we can certainly do something like that too. Absolutely. Our next one will probably be back to ancient sources. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, uh, and we hope you will join more than likely us. Odyssey. We were thinking because yeah, we were thinking we're about Penelope or Hephaestus. Yeah, that we'll see. We we're, we're batting gonna, around a couple of ideas. We might have a Twitter so, poll. Yeah, that was another yeah, another yeah. idea to have a Twitter poll. Yeah, so you might see we'll that. Do that. It's important to stick around to the and end put, of podcast and, on occasion because this is when <laughs> the real good material comes out. You can put All the that poll stuff. On Facebook yeah. yeah, yeah, we could do that as well. Yeah. Um. So, and just as a side note, um, I know. I think we said our last episode, oh, we'll be back in two weeks, and it's been a month. Um, So look for us about every month. We're not so good with the calendar um, these days, but we will will endeavor to get into your ears at least once a month. Yeah, we'll see you soon. So join us next episode. listen on. Yes. Yeah, to Myth Take. Fresh take on ancient myth. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.